Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, MJ, and I'm going to tell you about my number one secret when I shop for wine. The best strategy is to look at the back label and look for a trusted importer. And one of the most trusted names in wine for the past 30-plus years is Skernick Wines and Spirits. Since 1987, the Skernick brothers, Michael and Harmon, have scoured the earth looking to find super high-quality wines of distinction and then bring them back into the United States so that they can be available to you at your local store or restaurant. The company is headquartered right here in New York City, but they are also a direct wholesale distributor in eight states, including New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, and last but definitely not least, my beloved wine home of California. They also import many wines that are sold in all 50 states through their partner distributors. I recently interviewed Harmon Skernick right here on the Black Wine Guy podcast, and let me tell you, these guys are the real deal. If you want to learn more about Skernick Wines and Spirits, please have a look at their awesome website. It's www.skernick.com. That's www.skurnik.com. Or you can even give them a call at 212 212- 273-W-I-N-E. That's 212-273-WINE. Hey, I'm MJ Taller, also known as a black wine guy. I went from being a totally obsessed wine newbie to becoming the world's first ever African-American fine and rare wine auctioneer in less than three years. In this show, I'll be talking to the Mavericks, the philosophers, the players, and the deep thinkers who inhabit the world of wine. They'll share their experiences on how they made it, but more importantly, how they failed and got back up again. So grab a glass and let's get to it. This is the Black Wine Guy Experience. Hey, hey, everybody. What's up? It's your boy, MJ, and welcome to the Black Wine Guy Experience. My guest today is a true living legend in the world of wine and wine education. It's Mr. Kevin Zraeli. Uh, Kevin Zraeli is best known from his time as the wine director for the Windows on the World restaurant and founder of the Windows on the World Wine School on the 106th and 107th floors of New York City's World Trade Center. After the loss of the restaurant on September 11th in 2001, uh, Mr. Zraeli continued the wine school for another 15 years at the Marriott Marquis in Manhattan. Ultimately, he has helped educate more than 20,000 wine lovers over the course of a 40-year career. In addition, he has written eight books about wine and food, including his annually updated Windows on the World Complete Wine Course, which has sold more than 4 million copies, and it is the best-selling wine book of all time. Uh, He also co-authored the definitive book about red wine. It was aptly named Red Wine. Uh, he did that with the World Wine Guys, Mike D. Simone and Jeff Jensen. Uh, Kevin is also the youngest person to receive the James Beard Lifetime Achievement Award in 2011, recognized for his commitment to making the study of wine accessible and fun to all, as well for his monumental contributions to the world of food, wine, and hospitality. Uh, there's so much more we'll get into in depth during the show. Uh, Welcome, Kevin. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you. I, I, um, I actually, I think it's 45 years ago, this spring, that Windows in the World opened up. Wow. 45 years ago in May of 1976. And uh, I actually started in 1970. So I'm getting up there now in uh, 
like towards 50 years of doing this, you know? Oh, my God. Actually, it is my anniversary. 1971, I taught my first wine class at a local community college. We'll talk about that as we go on, because I'd like to talk about those days. Yeah, Because yeah. people always, they say, oh, your window's on the world. Well, that's where you started. Well, I did my 10,000 hours uh, in a little hamlet in upstate New York. I love it, and that's what that's what I like to get into. Like, you know wine, and it's, it's, it's so much more. It's a story behind the wine um, that really makes these that I find special. Um, so let's let's talk about, speaking of wine, and 53 years, uh, what wine are we drinking this afternoon? Well, this was, uh, this is a, first, first of all, I should say this is a good time to know me, uh, because before the pandemic, okay, so, the, so January 1st of 2020, I decided, you know, I got all this wine, and, I, and, and, and uh, my friends John and Dorothy from the Wall Street Journal was like, open that bottle what are you crazy right right so i I, i'm I'm opening all my old bottles anything that's over 20 years old and so this one is our treat because you were born in 1968 by the way it's the year that i graduated high school i'm just throwing that in nice Uh, and also 68 speaking of wine who people are probably listening who like wine 68 was the first year that um that still wines outsold fortified wines in the united states wow that's the big turn Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. uh and so we're drinking the heights martha's vineyard which was given to me by joe heights um and he was one of the first wineries i ever ever visited which i'm sure we'll talk when you had you did a little walkabout when you left college and did you walk about to california was that no I, i actually i actually um um, I started studying wines in the Hudson Valley, yep. and there were just I went to all the wineries. That mm-hmm. th- there were three. Uh, then I went to the Finger Lakes, which really wasn't uh, a lot at, back in those days. Uh, and then uh, I took a year off from college, and I couldn't go to California. You could drink in New York State at 18 when I was growing up, but in California you had to be 21. So I had to wait to my 21st birthday, which was 1972, and I hitchhiked because okay. I had no money. It's a recurring theme in my life, by the way. Am, <laughs> I, am I getting paid for this? Uh, yeah, you know. Um, you're getting paid in, in, in God coins. Okay. So when you go up to heaven, uh, he's like, yeah. Kevin, thank you for yeah, going like on that, that podcast. And yeah. he's like, I'll take some Bitcoin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you know, when we were when we were connecting which um, and got in touch with your, your PR person, your team, um, and uh, she emailed me about what year you were born, I was like, shit. Because '68 is not really a good year, but it was a decent. There's there's some great wines in '68, like like this Heights Martha Vineyard. I know the '68 Mondavi also, and that was very revered. So I was I was like trying to figure. I was like, and I don't know enough about Burgundy, so I was like, is there a Burgundy or anything? Yeah, I, I definitely nothing. know there was no Bordeaux that was good nope. that year, you know. So so I, this is a treat. I love this wine. Um, I've had the '74. This is the oldest Heights I've had, and and it's singing right now. So um, just so everybody knows, I mean the cork crumbled. I mean, the cork, I couldn't get it out. Here I am, this master sommelier or whatever I am. Uh, and this is this is typical. You know, how many corks do I break a year? I'd say two dozen. You know, I'm, you, know you, you just forget and you start doing things. But this crumbled uh, cork uh, lifespan, as we, we were talking about before, is 25 to 30 years. You know, and uh, but I want you all to know that those who like Heights Martha's Vineyard, the eucalyptus is there and stronger than ever as the wine gets older. This yep. wine is still... Uh, even though it's very old, like some other people I know, very old, it is really tasting great, which proves that California wines can age. Thank you. I want to applaud that for people who ask that question. Um, <clears throat> and it is singing right now. And it, the, like I said, the signature eucalyptus, that mint is just delicious. All right. So let's start at the beginning. Let's start at the beginning. Um, tell me about growing up. So when you, were, when you were growing up, was there any wine in your house? Were your parents wine drinkers? No alcohol. 
Nana had some alcohol every once in a while. Nana worked at Reader's Digest. Okay. So nice. she'd come over Friday, and we'd have Seagram 7s, and we'd line them up. My sister and I, you know, the four shots. <laughs> she was fine after that. You know, she had a long week at the Reader's Digest. Uh, but, no, there was no alcohol growing up, and uh, I, was, I was totally I- Irish steak, potatoes, beer. Okay. Uh, and um, my life changed when I went to Woodstock, a okay. festival. I actually should show you a picture. I have a picture of me at Woodstock for the 50th anniversary. Oh, nice. I, I actually so had, you, went back, you went back? I went back to the 25th, which yeah. was in Saugerties, New York. And I went back to the 50th um, with Jacqueline. I have a great picture of my hippie chick with me <laughs> uh, on, the, on the site of where the festival took place. And I actually had a wine bar. It was called uh, Windows on Woodstock Wine Bar. Oh, I love during it. During the whole thing. So I went there. And uh, what I – so you said I can say anything on this show, yeah, right? right? Yeah. Okay. So I went to Catholic school mm-hmm. all my life from kindergarten all the way to senior year in high school, and I had to wear a, a jacket and tie. But I went to Woodstock, and they weren't wearing any clothes. So I said, I'm going to join this tribe, <laughs> uh, and I'm moving upstate as soon as I possibly get out of Pleasantville, New York, and I did. And I found this little hamlet in the middle of nowhere between New Paul's and Woodstock, New York. And I lived above a pizzeria. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went downstairs one day to tell Mrs. Novi that I actually didn't have enough money to pay the rent. I said, can I dishwash here? She says, no, no, go see my crazy son, Johnny. He's opened a restaurant down the street. <laughs> okay, Mrs. Novi, thank you. That restaurant um, was built in 1797. Wow. Um, and John Novi, to me, is the uh, – we can talk about food as well because wine is food for me. Mm-hmm. John Novi, without question – uh, was the first farm-to-table chef in the United States of America, and that was 1969. Mm-hmm. He actually opened before Woodstock. So I got a job as a waiter. Okay. And uh, uh, But we got – all right, ready for this? I even have a picture in there in that book. So Craig Claiborne – you're a little too young to probably remember Craig Claiborne, but he was the first restaurant critic for the New York Times. Okay. Uh, and he came up uh, on a Sunday night with uh, uh, Pierre Frenet, which was another famous chef, and still living, Jacques Pepin. They gave this restaurant a four-star rating in the middle of nowhere. I was the oldest, 19, except for John. He was 26 or something like that. Four stars. First restaurant and last restaurant ever get a four-star rating outside of New York City. My life changed. End of statement. Ba-boom. I I had to become a bartender because we used to make our own drinks. Uh, And so that's how it happened. I became the bartender. I had to order the liquor. I had to order the wine. Uh, I had to order the beer, the Budweiser that we had, the one Budweiser. There was no Yeah, there was was, was no IPAs, double-dipped IPA, triple mango, pineapple spiked jalapeno beer, which I enjoy. But it was was, was Bud. It was like Schlitz. Rheingold. (laughs) Rheingold. Does this bring back memories? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Miller High Life. I don't We had the champagne. The champagne of beers. Does it get any better than the champagne of beers? Bottled beers. (laughs) (laughs) So if it's on draft, I guess it can't be. I don't know. No. Um, so that's amazing. So this, you're working at this tiny restaurant right. upstate. First, till, till this day. Yeah. Uh, the first restaurant to get four, size, four stars outside New York City. And, like, I think as, as I'm here with you and, and I think, um, you know, we have these new mediums. Like, I mean, I guess a podcast is like my own radio station. But, like, I, there's so much luck involved with things. Like you said, like, they walked in like that. Like, what was the wine list like before they walked in? Well, that, that's what happened. So I'm the bartender, so therefore I'm in charge of the wines. And all these people from New York City would come up and say, you have a great restaurant. It's a 1797 stone house on the Delaware and Hudson Canal. Uh, you know, it's beautiful. The food is spectacular. This John Novi does so well. The staff is unbelievable because we didn't know any better. Okay, we ate whatever you want, whatever you want. <laughs> but they said, your wine list sucks. Is that a swear word? No, uh, okay, no, I, and I, I know that because I'm actually reading a book about curse words right okay, now. So. Thank you. Okay, you're good. 
So they say, your wine list sucks. Who does the wine? And they say, Kevin does. Can we see Kevin? So Kevin had to go over to the table. And I honestly, this is not a joke. I, you know, I mean, we can joke around. But I said, I don't know, you know, I don't know what you guys are looking for. We got the top three. We got red, we got white, and we got rosé. <laughs> And and a guy got so pissed off at me from the, the all all the city people came up. The article came out in March of 1970, so New York wanted to get out out right. of the city. We were bombarded. We went from 10 reservations to 200 reservations. So uh, uh, so the guy uh, sent me a paperback on wine. I, I don't remember the person, unfortunately. I'd love, love to know the person. Probably, you know, 65-cent paperback on wine, The Penguin Guide to Wine or something. Okay, I was going to say you remember the name of the book. Penguin, yeah. I still have it. Actually. So it was like Penguin, the publisher, made a guide to wine, basically. It was just yeah. hired a ghostwriter. Yeah, something like Got that. Got it. Okay. And so I, 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 and I also was a history major uh, in school. Um, and so, wow, history and wine? And then I, I, from that moment on, I was, I was obsessed. And actually, in January of this year, I had a bottle of wine with my friend Peter Beanstock. You don't need to know him, but he's one of my closest friends. And he came to the restaurant one day, uh, and he's older, 10 years older than I am, and he gave me a bottle of wine, a glass of wine. Uh, and he said, taste this, you'll understand. And it was a 1945 Grand Cru Burgundy uh, and uh, from a private estate that he had just purchased. And, uh, and I said, whoa, whoa, this, whoa, slow more <laughs> give me more and just the smell of that wine i can remember to this day and i went directly from budweiser to burgundy just so you know oh, it was a quick jump i didn't stop so he came up in january uh, to visit me this year so what am i going to do so i took out a 1961 another grand cru musigny by comte de vauquet and we opened the bottle same situation by the way with this bottle that we have the heights martha's vineyard the thing crumbles one of the best wines we have ever had. Uh, Sixty years old. Wow. So wow. That that so that in combination with the people saying give give us more, give us more, give us more, and I'm sorry I don't have it right now, but I I, <laughs> I, I no I want you to see, I still have the wine list. Oh yeah yeah. And it was on slate, and it was painted on slate, so I still have two of the original wine lists, and you got to see the prices of Chateau Latour, you know fifteen dollars a bottle. So, yeah no I I, I had um. I had John Capon on, and he was telling me um, about his dad, Michael. You guys kind of came up at the same time. Michael was giving away DRC. People didn't want yep. – he was giving away DRC in Christmas orders. Like, right. you know, you could get a case of Petrus for like 200 bucks for a case. Something ludicrous. Yeah, my oldest son, Anthony, goes down to my wine cellar, <laughs> and he sees Latash. Everybody, I guess everybody here knows. You. Yeah, yeah, you know, they know why. Right? Yeah. So, Latash, you know, 1989, and he says, comes up and he says, Dad, that, that bottle's worth $25,000. Yeah. We could sell that. Yeah, yeah. And I said, We're not selling. No, no we're not. No, you, we are not doing anything. <laughs> and I put wines away from my children, just right. so you know. I have uh, four, and I don't remember their names. <laughs> but uh, one was 91, 93, 97, and 99. That's how I remember because I put all these wines away for them. Right. And so I have little stickers, you know, for the private seller of Anthony or, or Nick or Harrison or Adrana. And I go down a month later on that Latasha, it says, from the private seller of Anthony Israeli. <laughs> so I, if I die, he's getting that bottle. <laughs> Step in, people. Help me. Yeah. Don't let him sell that bottle. He's yeah. going to drink it. Right. That's got to be like a stipulation, like at your memorial. You, you, you listen, if I don't drink that, you're drinking that at my memorial. You pour on some on dad's grave. Get some of that. 
Uh, that's probably why I'm drinking my a lot of my, my exactly. wine. <laughs> well, the COVID thing is, you know, I find it very ironic. I'm sure you wanted to talk about this, right? We're, listen, you we know, do. Like we, we think this show is like a time capsule. This was yeah. a very interesting year, and we're just blessed to have people like you come on, and, yeah. and we're excited. This is like your first time being in the city in 15 months, and we made it work. So let's talk about what's going on. Well, I think the ironic part of the COVID is, um, um, and I wrote about this. Um, I haven't published it yet, but um, in 1920, Prohibition began. Mm. All alcohol is illegal. Oh. You can't drink. You can't make wine. Da 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 da. Ready for that? A hundred years later, twenty twenty. Alcohol is an essential. No, I was going to say essential business. Yeah, it was. It was essential. Does that sound like? Uh, Yes, my guy. Yeah, essential yeah. business. That's a good George Carlin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then <laughs> there's even more. Okay, you can't spit anymore. You can't spit. It's illegal to spit. It was. It, or, baseball players couldn't spit anymore. Oh, okay. They touched themselves more, but they couldn't spit. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is you lose your sense of smell and taste. I know. So I better. I'm moving on this one. I'm yeah. drinking it fast. Two bottles a day. No, I got, yeah. I'm not that, but because it's all wine is food to me, and I can only have wine with food. Wine is food. Yeah. Um, that's been documented. I mean, mm. the Romans have said that. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I uh, was. It's been a great year uh, in other ways than that. Like I was on a Zoom with uh, Philippe Camby. He's the same way. He's mm. like, I, I, it's food and wine go together. That's how. That's how you roll. Right. You know. Um, I'm making, I'm making an exception today with the Heights. Marcus yeah, I was going to say, I was say, you know. No, I thought we were having lunch. No, you know. Uh, you know. You know I, where's your producer? Alex? I know. Where's the food? I know. Come on, you're slipping. You know You know the, the problem, though? We actually, uh, we had a guest bring some cheese, and it was delicious because he brought this Jura. Um, it, it, it makes you um, phlegmy. <coughs> yeah, okay. But, you know. I, I get it. I get yeah. it. By the way, it's very, very important. You know, this whole thing, by the way, I did lose my sense of smell and taste once in my life. Okay. That was my post-traumatic stress. Part of my post-traumatic oh, stress wow. on September 11th. Wow. And actually, I write in the book, which is probably one of the best chapters in, in, in the book, on olfactory. Because mm -hmm. I said, whoa, are you joking with me? You know, I, I worked at Windows in the World for 25 years. Uh, we lost 72 people on that day. And then months later, I get the shingles. And mm -hmm. the shingles, and, and with everything else, I lost my sense of smell and taste. So I got to figure this out. So I did a tremendous amount of research. It's an olfactory chapter in the book. Um, so I can appreciate, I can empathize. Is that a better word with what's going on and mm -hmm. the long-term effects? I lost 80% of my uh, smell and taste, uh, and I faked it. I'll be honest with you. Whoever took my class back in those days, you can, you can get the pain of acid. You can get the tactile sensation of tannin. And plus, I knew the want. Yeah. Uh, and today, today it's actually better than it's ever been. And, and this is important to know because we're talking about saliva. Saliva is a key element. And uh, only your dentist knows, which I just came from. I know, ironically. Only, only your dentist knows how much saliva you have. I mean, some people, it's, you know, they're dry mouth all day long. They, they got to have water with them, like me. I'm not really dry mouth. But, you know, and then there's people that, I'm sure you don't do this, wake up and you have a little drip there no. in the morning? No. Okay, no. My, my cat, Howard, oh, okay. Howie the wine cat, though, okay. when I pet him, he just drools. It's disgusting. Yeah. Like, he doesn't purr. He's a Maine Coon. He doesn't purr. He drools. It's so funny. Just anyway. But no, you're right. I mean, we there's so much we don't know about ourselves and our bodies and how they relate with food and wine that, like... We're, it's going to be great. This is a great episode already. I love it. <laughs> this is the number one episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it of, is. Of season two, the it, finale. Exactly. Here we are. It is. Drinking wine. Great wine in New York City. <laughs> uh, is, that, is that a good intro for you? That was perfect. Okay. <laughs> 
Um, so, By the way, you should know this because uh, maybe we'll talk about my rock and roll band. The one oh, we'll, we'll get to the yeah. Well, no, the, the thing is, I'm going to tell you one of the things I'm doing right now. You haven't asked yet. Singing lessons. I'm taking singing lessons. Okay, so I would. I've been in bands all my life since the time I was in uh, in grammar school, actually, playing at proms and all that kind of stuff. And I would sing and belt it out, but they would turn my microphone off, <laughs> including the Wynettes. <laughs> they, they, Kevin can really sing, you know. So, I love that. Yeah. I, so, <laughs> no, I'm we're going to talk ask, about the, ask Michael Skarnick if you ever get him on the show. Talk about the Wynettes yeah. for sure, because because we we did have Harmon on and. And uh, and we want to get Michael on, but I, you know, I already know the title of the show. It's like Six Degrees of Kevin Zarelli because you your tentacles in the wine world is create like so much of the New York wine scene. New York, especially New York, I'm sure worldwide, but because then people move to California, touches back to you. I mean, let's just just be honest. Twenty thousand people, you've educated, you've 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 been an amazing. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not proselytizing. I don't know what the word is, but don't swear. Yeah, I'm not going to swear on this one. You've been an amazing uh, ambassador for wine. Well, re- remember now, my ele- my degree from college is history, but it's also elementary education. So you take that together with a passion for wine, you become an entertainer. And I it's, get it. It's not wine, right? It's not wine, right? I wouldn't have had twenty thousand students. Right. Uh, you, you know, uh, it's a class that lasted, as you said, forty years. It wouldn't people. It was a technique. It's not focusing. I say to people, okay, turn to your neighbor and talk to them about the wine. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm off stage. Exactly. It's, I'm on stage. Yeah. Joe Baum, who created Windows on the World, also uh, created uh, Four Seasons Restaurant back in 1959 and 300 other restaurants. I'm privy to work with him. He then left uh, uh, Windows in the World and went to the Rainbow Room. So what, one time we owned the Rainbow Room and Windows in the World. That was an exciting experience. Mm. Uh, then he came back. With the, the bombing in, in the World Trade Center was 1993. People forget that. They remember September 11th. But the bombing in 93 <laughs> closed down Windows in the World from 93 to 96. Joe Baum comes back okay. and recreates this restaurant to a magical place that it was uh, you know, a, a, a forever. But Joe Baum would say, and this is about restaurants, the restaurant is theater. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my screenplays right now. And I want to get it on Broadway. Because think of anybody who's ever worked in a restaurant, you know, like if you've seen Waitress, you know, when Broadway was open or something like that. And uh, so um, that's the wine thing. It's all you're acting. You're, an, uh, you're a waiter. Uh, you're, you're acting. That's what, what it is. It's showtime. Yeah. yeah. Open the doors. It's showtime. No, I agree. I think and that's one of the things I think going on now um, uh, with just the pure wine education, people don't understand. You could have your WSCT 32, but if you know, if you can't perform on the floor, if you if you can't perform for people, the, the knowledge is not the knowledge is easy. It's actually easy, you know, if you have the passion. Um, and I was thinking about something you said. I think also key was that your degree was in well, one history and wine is history. The whole tide. It's it's the only beverage. It's in the Bible. It's, it goes back to the dawn of man. But then elementary education, so you make it easier for people. Like mm-hmm. you're not you're not the college professor who's trying to dumbfound people. You're actually breaking it down. So I could see where th- that combination was just ripe. <laughs> you like see what I did there, ripe? You like that? It's my last name, by the way. <laughs> it's Czech. Zrali means ripe. In, oh my god! In Czech, you knew that, right? You were, you had that planned. I I uh, yeah. I didn't. You know, yeah, just yeah. like so many things that have happened, like like you being at that restaurant when the critic comes in, right? Um, just there's a lot of luck. Um, so let's talk about 
Mm, the first class you taught what was the first wine class you taught. So we get this four-star rating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about a hamlet of 400 people. Right. And so the local community college, and they're literally called that. Like the, those those towns in upstate yeah. and New York, they're called hamlets. Right. They have like a huge green. I mean, they're just beautiful. Like I'm going to show you the picture. All right. I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna, I want yeah. you to see yeah. the picture. <laughs> uh, uh, but but the, so so the local community college, Ulster County Community College, says, wow. comes to John Novi and says, "You guys must know something about wine and cheese and wine and food. Uh, you know, why don't you teach a class for adult education?" Right. And John knew nothing about cheese. I knew nothing about wine. <laughs> We said, sure, we do. Think, thinking that maybe six people will show up. Right. 30 people show up for this class. Which is huge. I mean, you got to think about this. this is like adult ed in 1971. That's that's like that's like having 15,000 followers or some shit. Yo. I mean, I can't even. like That's like huge, 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 huge. Yeah. It was, it, was, um, it was crazy. There's a picture. I'm sorry you guys can't see it, but it's a, a 1797. You just have to buy the book. Well, you know what? That's a great idea. <laughs> Did I mention my children in college education? Uh, and they all, by the way, they, they all, like my son went to UConn, okay? And he said, you know, because I, I went to state university, uh, you know, uh, and uh, um, he said, Dad, I went to a state school. I said, yeah, out of state. Yeah. All right. And if the tuition for UConn is also right up there. Yeah. But this was a 1797 stone house yeah. uh, uh, on the canal. Now. You can't see the canal here right now. And John Novi, this guy I mentioned before, um, he um, he just learned cooking from his mother. Uh, and wow. and when I say farm to table, the first one farm to table, he also, when he planned his first menu, no meat, no starch. N- yeah, you think EMP is doing something fancy, right? Right. John Novi did it first. He did. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I think Alice Waters who's, had just put out a new book, by the way. Mm-hmm. She get her on the show. Um, you know, I respect her, of course, but she didn't start till 71. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and John, why, why doesn't anybody know John Novi? Because he's a hippie. Okay. Wow. You know, and he didn't care about any of that stuff. That's so true, right? I mean, we we it's a little bit like people do this now, and they they want to be famous, you know, and they're trying to be, but like I mean, that's why I'm so happy. Like you you come on the show, and I had Mary Ewing Mulligan on the show. Like like the, the people who shaped this whole thing in the yeah. United States, nobody knows who they are anymore. Like, I love Mary Ewing Mulligan. Yeah. I love Ed McCarthy. I love, uh, you know, I'll even mention Wines for Dummies, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, my competitor, uh, or the Wine Bible by Karen uh, Karen McNeil. I'll mention those because they're all good friends. But, you know, it's funny because um, uh, she probably didn't mention this, but she worked in the World Trade Center. Uh-huh. All right. Uh-huh. She actually worked for the Italian Trade Commission. She did mention that. Okay. Yes. I don't know if she, we actually, we yeah. made a connection to the World Trade, but she did talk about her time at the Italian, uh, you know. So they were in the One World Trade Center. They would just come upstairs every, once a week for lunch. That's how I got to meet Mary Ewing Mulligan. And she would actually, when, uh, when I started my classes, I took, I, it was a six-week class at mm-hmm. Windows in the World. I know we're jumping, but. No, it's okay. This well, is a great first, conversation. First to, this to, is what we do here. We it's conversational? Yeah. Oh, jeez, I, I got to loosen up a little Not bit. Exactly. Lighten up, buddy. You know, but I did <laughs> might the, get you to curse later. <laughs> I uh, doubt it. You know, by the way, we're on a third glass of Heights Martha's Vineyard. Because we're, we're, we're taking it down. Because, you, know, you know, these these older wines, you want to make sure you, you, you capture them, you know? So. Yeah. 
But anyhow, those first classes at Windows in the World were six weeks. And, and, you know, so I, I taught the first one and the last one, and I had guests. There was a guy named Frank Pryor. I'm, I'm sorry you didn't get a chance to meet him. Maybe you did. He's from Jersey, by the way. First wine critic for the New York Times. Okay. Uh, Peter Seychelles, who's still with us at 98 years old, the creator of Blue Nun, did my German class. Oh, my God. Uh, Mary Ewing Mulligan did, did my Italian class. Wow. That kind of thing. So I brought wow. in these personalities uh, to do it. So it, they, those were fun times. I'm going to tell you something. And, and uh, we started Windows in the World was a club at lunch. We actually had mm-hmm. 2,500 members. Mm-hmm. So we started with a club, uh, club members. We had 12 people in the first class. Why? One bottle goes for 12 people. And then the club members started bringing guests. So now we're up to 24. Then they bring more guests. Now we're up to 36. And we said, well, maybe we'll make this a public class and open it up to the public. And that's where the 20,000 people come from. Mm. But back to the uh, back to that restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's um, um, just uh, uh, magical. Can I use that word? Uh, magical there, magical at Windows in the World. Why did I stay 25 years? And I'm the only one actually that was there from the beginning to the end. Mm. So I knew... Um, as a matter of fact, I was writing a book. I told you I got sick and I lost my sense of smell and taste. I was writing a book. This is, this is my therapy, okay? My therapy for pandemic, write, mm-hmm. write a new edition. Mm-hmm. And it was called 107 Stories. Okay. 107 Get it. Yep. Sunset flights. Floor. And I wrote to everybody who ever worked at Windows in the World. I got wow. 350 people who actually sent me something. Some of it was very long. Some of it was a paragraph. You know, but it was fascinating, and I was going to put that into a book. And I, I do want to uh, mention uh, not my book, but Tom Roston uh, wrote a great book. As a matter of fact, when Windows opened, uh, the the New York Magazine mm-hmm. before we opened front cover in April of 1976, the most spectacular restaurant in the world. Before we opened, can you imagine the pressure? I know the pressure. opening <laughs> those doors. And a friend of mine, Tom Roston, wrote the book, the most spectacular restaurant in the world. And it's not just about Windows in the world; it's about downtown New York City mm. and and I didn't even know this I read the book the World Trade Center was supposed to be on the East River oh wow but I didn't know that ready Port Authority of New York and New Jersey your state so the governor of New Jersey says you know you know it's a little far away you're you're on going towards Brooklyn move it they moved it uh, to the Hudson River site so we don't play that in Jersey man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got your wish you got your wish that's all I can say that's so cool. Um, so you teach this class. You right. didn't know a lot about it. And, and then, um, you know. Well, I, I got to tell you, though, this is really important because I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I know you're the host, right? You're the host? No, I'm not. We're just two guys two enjoying guys a, shooting a, a bottle of 68. <gasps> I said that word. Yeah. Um, but uh, I I, so we get this class going, all right? So we have 30 people in the, in the dining room of um, uh, the Canal House. And... Um, I, I don't. Uh, John goes on first. He doesn't know what he's going to do. So he's, he's, he's gonna, I'm going to show him how to make cheese. Oh, come on, man. No, he did. <laughs> Six weeks of how to make cheese. Six hours, John. <laughs> I don't know. And so then I, I go out to do the wine. I was the second act, so to speak. And I come out and say, here's a bottle. This is a Cabernet Sauvignon bottle. This is a Riesling-style bottle. This is a, a Burgundy-style bottle. And the guy in the back of the room raises his hand and he says, yeah, when are you going to open them? <laughs> So I learned quickly about wine tasting. I said, that's a great idea. Let's taste wines. And so after the third glass of wine, nobody cares. Yeah. That was kind of like the concept for the show. It's like, <laughs> you got to drink wine because it'll, it'll just put everybody at ease right. and we'll just talk, you know, like, um, and that's why I like doing it in person. So thanks for being here. So let's talk about, because um, you got so many stories and I'm just loving just how we're kicking it. But I want to hear about um, your trip to California because that's like the first and only wine country I've been to. And. And I believe you dropped out of college or you took a year off from college and hitchhiked across the country uh, to California. 
I did. Um, um, I did. I took a semester off, actually. So I, st- I went, started in the beginning of the summer and came back later. And um, let's, let's put things into perspective. And I think this is really important, and I'm really happy to be here. Let me tell you why. You're all nice people. But, Thank you. Thank you. But, um, you know, I'm still, I still have the passion. Mm-hmm. I have the passion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be here until God knocks, you know, stuff like that. But uh, there are stories. And people need to know, especially the young sommelier. Yep. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, um, Karen, my publicist, who you know, you know, has actually billed me as the first American sommelier. Yeah, I, 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 I did a little video, and I, I, you're the godfather of wine education in America for sure. Like you, like I said, you're ground zero. Like the show, show titles is, as you've read when you're listening to this, it's Six Degrees of Kevin's Really because you've touched everybody who's who's doing this nowadays. They, they don't, and a lot of them don't even know it. Well, thank you. Thank you, and I really do mean thank you. Uh, but it's been what a great ride, <laughs> you know. I've been all I've been doing. My mother doesn't understand this. I can assure you. You get paid to eat and drink, Kevin. I, I know. <laughs> they fly you around the world. Are you sure? You're Irish, you know. Okay, uh, you know, and I can say it now. Your shit doesn't smell any better than anybody else's. <laughs> Okay, mom. Okay, so you asked me to swear, so I, I should have. Yeah, well, because your mom swore. I mean, Maybe that's why I don't like the word. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Remember who you came, who you are and where you came from. Okay, mom. She still doesn't understand. I, I, I'll talk about it later, but I do classes on, on, on Zoom. But anyhow, your question. So, I'm, you know, I do all the Hudson Valley thing. Yep. I do Finger Lakes, and now it's time. Uh, and I had, uh, really, I was a college student. I was, I, this is really important. I love my mother. I love my father. But I paid my way through school, mm-hmm. every penny. Mm-hmm. Um, there was no silver spoon here. So when I say I went to California, I hitchhiked to California. And I get uh, from this little hamlet, and I get on uh, Route 209, which leads to Route 80 in, in State College, Pennsylvania, where Penn State is. Mm-hmm. And I'm with a friend who's my official photographer, <laughs> drinker, photographer, <laughs> taster, photographer. And we're hitchhiking. And, you know, Route 80, zoom, 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 the truck's going by. And we're hitching out. The sun is going down. I said, Bill. We got. We gotta go. We gotta go to sleep. Forget nobody's gonna pick us up today. Maybe in the morning. Then we see this truck backing up a mile away. This little pickup truck backing up, backing up, and then you can see the plates. California. We gotta ride all the way right to the house we were going to in Dude, Santa Cruz. Flying. I know. You know. That's bananas. Santa Cruz. And he, we picked up more hitchhikers along the oh, way. <laughs> Anyhow, we, uh, so I, I, I had this desire to get to California because I've been teaching about the wines. I've already been a teacher for a couple of years. And um, um, there were only maybe 24 wineries in Napa Valley yeah. in 1972. Yeah. There's over four. Because there's no judgment of parish yet. No, no. no right. No. So, so like, these are, like, OGs. I, you know, these are people who just really believed and loved in wine. You know, I mean, you had Mondavi, but then other people were just, like, that's, I, I think so many people, particularly soldiers, don't understand, like, 24 wineries, like in yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. bananas. Yeah, I, I could probably name them, but what I did, and this is a Catholic school education, I wrote to them. I told them I was coming. I didn't, I told them I was coming. Mm-hmm. And I had this thing at the time. I was a manager of a four star restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. Like that one. I teach wine courses at the local college. I'm preparing a two credit wine course, a la Cornell University has. Uh, I was regional director of Les Amis du Vin. <laughs> Okay, I mean, I'm 21, 22 years old, but I had, so the letter looked great, but as you can see here, my hair was down. 
You had that hippie I, hair. That hippie, hippie, Woodstock, the Woodstock <laughs> hair. Yeah. So um, they, they did. I remember one guy at Inglenook uh, coming out. I said to the receptionist, I'm here. And she said, okay, I'll get the president of the company. He'll come down. And then he looked around the room. He said, where is this guy? <laughs> you know, where, where is this guy? Who, who are these people? And, I, and No, there are stories to be told about that. Uh, uh, you know, first of all, a young American. For, and also in 1970, the early people didn't drink wine. Mm-hmm. They were drinking cocktails. I was a better bartender, actually. Six years as a bartender making old fashions and grasshoppers and whiskey sours and all of this kind of stuff. And I had a little jug uh, down below the bar. It was Almaden, uh, jug wine, you know, in a half gallon. And it had dust all over it. I, I mean, I, it, I, I, I'm sorry that I even served it, you know, probably. Anyway, so I wrote to, I met Robert Mondavi on that trip. And he had just opened, by the way. He, he opened in 1966. Mm-hmm. And Michael is still a very close friend, uh, uh, Michael Mondavi. And Marcia, Mar- Marcy lives here, still in the city. And Tim has got his own uh, situation, great situation, uh, with Continuum, right on Pritchard Hill. Mm-hmm. Pritchard, Hill is... Pritchard Hill was nothing. Well, I know. So you got Chapley's on Pritchard Hill, right. and then, but then it was like, you know, Harlan and all those guys. But, I mean, but it's – like all these sites have been there. Mount Veter has been there. Right. Those, you know, like, like – it, it, and just – like, oh, we could go off on this. Like, like how does it, like – like Napa cabs, like all of a sudden it's like they're all like three hundred bucks now. Like and these sites have been there, and people like Dunn has been there on Howl Mountain. I mean, people have been forming like, Diamond Creeks. I mean, like hmm. supply and demand. Yeah. Very simple, very simple uh, supply and demand, and uh, um, uh, it's good in a way. Yeah. Uh, although uh, I would tell people right now because I'm always like, oh, what do you think about Harlan or Screaming Eagle? Right. Yeah, good. You got some? I'll, I'll, I'll have them with you, you know? Yeah. But I'm not going to spend that kind of money. I'll go there and taste them. But there's so many good mm-hmm. Cabernet Sauvignons, I'm going to say under $50 right. uh, that, that are out there. But I go to these wineries. So I went to Mondavi. I could re- reel them off. Beringer, you know, one of the oldest ones. And um, then Inglenook, uh, as I mentioned mm-hmm. uh, uh, back in those days. Uh, a Charles Krug Winery. I went to Sonoma. I went to Buena Vista. I even went down to Wente, which is down in Livermore. Mm-hmm. Bold U Winery. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, you know, I, I I and then just roamed around. I, 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 we don't have time for those stories. Right okay. <laughs> well, we'll have you back on. Yeah, yeah. we'll call it a trip to board. A trip to trip to board. Trip yeah. to California. Trip yeah. to. It wasn't just Napa. Yeah, it was Napa, Sonoma. Uh, I didn't go up to Mendocino. There was really was nothing in Mendocino. Yeah, there's probably no. There was Navarra. Gra- maybe, maybe one person up there. Maybe yeah. at that time. No, they were doing grass. They were gr- growing marijuana. Well, they still grow. No, grass, it's the biggest no. big thing now. Yeah, Thank God, they, they yeah. were way ahead of themselves. They were ahead of it. Humboldt yeah. and Mendo, man. Seriously. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I know a few friends who went to Humboldt. They didn't come back. Just yeah, there's stories about right. that. Um, but um, so coming back, uh, you come back. You finished school, and then um, no silver spoon in your mouth. You you got yourself over to Europe. What was that like? Same deal. No money. Um, Youth hostels. I didn't have enough money to even take the right flight. (laughs) I took Icelandic Airlines, which leaves out of New York, lands in Reykjavik to refuel, and drops me off in Luxembourg. And I, then I realized when I got to Luxembourg, my language is not that good. You know, <laughs> my languages are good, but not. I, I, I froze. I froze. It was a moment in my life. I said, 
Now what do you got? Now, look what you got yourself into, Ollie. You know, that kind of, you know, <laughs> look, look what you did this time. Uh, you know, and here you are. Finally, it took me, it took me six hours to just sort of shake it off, um, plus jet lag and all the other kind of stuff. And I had a URL pass. I'll, I'll be honest, that was the best thing. I had a URL pass that got me through. Again, I made, and I still have all these letters or copies of the letters that I sent, you know, to Bordeaux. I went to Bordeaux. I went to Burgundy. I'm afraid I used to take the train from Bordeaux to Burgundy. Okay. It's eight hours. I slept on it. I took the midnight. Well, got there at eight o'clock. The youth hostels open up. Boom, boom. I'll tell you one story, though. I'm in Bordeaux, and uh, I'm in a youth hostel in Bordeaux, um, which is like a, a dormitory kind of situation. But you you have to get out of there by nine o'clock. They close it down from nine until six. You can't. You got to go mm-hmm, do something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I had made an appointment with the Great Chateau, and uh, they said, "Okay, wh- where should we pick you up?" Well, I'm not going to say youth hostel. <laughs> The Hotel du Bordeaux. <laughs> Please, I'll be there. <laughs> and I went to the lobby of the Hotel du Bordeaux, and the limousine came and picked me up. Because I figured if I told them that I was at the youth hostel, there goes lunch. Yeah. I needed that three-hour lunch because, you know, they give us breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, so now the driver says after the the appointment, he says, want me to take back to the Hotel du Bordeaux? I said, no, there's a youth hostel that I'm going to. <laughs> And so now we get there, and it's around 6 o'clock, all right, or something like when they reopen. Everybody's waiting outside. Yeah, it's like a line. Yeah, no, but there's like hundreds of people waiting outside to get into the youth hostel, and the limousine pulls up. The driver gets out and opens the door for me and says, have a nice day, and I go into the youth hostel. Can you imagine what they thought? I was like, we're not going to, like, I know you got your, your, your girl you went to with, but you were like a rock star. You could have been a rock. You could have ruled... You probably ruled the hostel that night. They're like, who is this guy? Yeah. He's American. Yeah. He yeah. out of the limo. Right. <laughs> I had one suit I brought with me, and I, I carried it this way. You know, I had no other right. way to carry it. So hitchhiking and carrying my suit. But, but it was a great experience. I went to Germany. I went to Spain. As a matter of fact, being in Rioja, uh, Francisco Franco was still in charge. Okay, just so you know. He actually died the year that I was there, which was 1975. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, the difference between northern uh, Spain and southern Spain, northern Italy. All right, I do one other story, okay? Yeah. By the way, I'm putting Storyteller on my new business card because of, I'm being with you. Kevin's really Storyteller. storyteller. <laughs> so, so I just had this wine the other day, and I, I think I posted it if you watch my stuff, look at my stuff. I do. But Rafino. One of the, still, one of the great producers. Uh, you know, it, yeah, everybody thought it was commercial, but the Gran Selezioni now. What a wine that is. It's powerhouse. Uh, you know, the Chianti Classico Reserva Gran Selezioni. So anyhow, I'm in Italy, and I don't know how to use the Italian uh, phones. There were no, uh, we didn't have cell phones. So I hitchhiked out to Rafino to, to confirm my meeting with them the next day because I needed that lunch. <laughs> okay, and I get there, and the receptionist says, "You know, Mister, uh, you know, uh, 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 what's his name? I, he, he's he's still he's here. He's actually entertaining some uh, uh, people downstairs. Let me go get him." So he comes upstairs. Oh, Mister Israeli, I, I know you're coming tomorrow. Why don't you come down and have lunch today? I'm just I'm, I'm with some restaurateurs from Rome. Okay, okay, sure, I'll stay for lunch. I walk down these stairs to this gigantic room. There's 400 restaurateurs down there from Rome. And he says something on the stairs in Italian. I have no idea to this day what he said, but I got a standing ovation. I mean, that... You know, Jacqueline calls me uh, Kevin Gump, okay? I mean, you had to be there for this kind of oh stuff. Uh, and I'm dying. Okay, I'll have lunch. I'll be back tomorrow, too. Right. And uh, so uh, Italy was great. Uh, Spain was interesting. Um, nothing was going on, by the way. They yeah. had never seen, Rio had never seen a long-haired hippie. Yeah. And, what you know, this is northern Spain, not yeah. southern Spain, not right. the party area. Right, right. 
Uh, and um, it's Basque country. Yeah. They're not even Spanish. They don't consider Spanish. They're Basque. Yeah, they might not. They might. They might end up to be here. <laughs> Basque. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so you know what? I'm gonna. We're, there's so many good stories. Um, we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back, and then we'll talk about uh, Windows on the World, and uh, we'll see where the conversation goes. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, hey, what's up? It's MJ again. Listen, we all love a sexy wine label, but the back label is more important. Do you want to know how to score a great bottle of wine every time? Turn that bottle around and look for the Skernick Wines logo. Skernick Wines has been one of my favorite portfolios since I came into the business over 20 years ago. Whether it's a $10 bottle or a $100 bottle, you can count on Skernick Wines to deliver every time. And it's not just about wine. They also have one of the finest portfolios of craft spirits. Make sure you go to their website, www.skernick.com, and check out their ever-evolving library of cocktail recipes. Listen, I don't say this lightly. Skernick is a name you can trust when it comes to wine and spirits. Okay, we're back. So <clears throat> you come back from your journey, and then um, what was your – when did you leave the, the – uh, the restaurant, the stone restaurant. Uh, when did you leave there? What, 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 what had you leave right, So I, I get back to this little hamlet again of 400 people. And my friends don't understand me anymore. Okay. You know, uh, why are you speaking French? Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, even the guy that was the salesman, uh, the, Red O'Rourke, you know, nice Irish guy. And, I, you know, I'd been ordering wines from him, and liquor from him. And he said to me, uh, one day I said, uh, Red, I need some uh, Nuit Saint-Georges. Stop speaking. Don't, don't speak French to me. Give me the IBM number. You want the wine? <laughs> okay. So I said, okay, I get it. I get it. So I, I gave him the IBM number. I said, well, you know, this guy's making $50,000 a year as a salesman. And I'm making $5,000 as a bartender. Something's wrong here. Mm -hmm. So I figured, well, maybe it's just him. So I called his manager. I said, uh, what kind of Nuit Saint-Georges do you have? He said, I have no idea what you're talking about. Give me an IBM number. And so that, I'm going to go to the owner of the company. Just call up and say, hi, I'm from the Canal House. How, what kind of Nuit Saint-Georges you have? Uh, you know, you want Thunderbird, did you say? Uh, you know, what do you want? And I said to myself, okay, that does it. I'm going in the business. If they don't even know, it was a liquor mentality, total liquor mentality. Oh, right, right, you right. Know, li they still call them liquor stores, where, you know, right now it's 90% wine. I don't know why right. they still continue. They're, or they, it's a liquor or a package store. Yeah. So, um, you know, I can't, and my friends, I love my friends still, still to this day, but they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. I said, I got to go to the city. This is the only place. And New York City, and you know, I'm not saying this, people, because I'm from New York. It is the wine capital of the world. There's no doubt about it. It's not L.A. It's not San Francisco. It's not Paris. It's not Rome. It's New York City, uh, as it is with the theater, which I can't wait for that to open. Mm -hmm. But um, so I, I got a job as a salesman working for a company. And if the people uh, from around this area would know Empire, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. at those days it was called Charmer. And, yep. they, and they had one, uh, one division that they had just created called Wines of All Nations. I always think about that. I went to Wines of All Nations and then I went to Windows on the World. <laughs> Something I don't know. Where is God is with me? That's all I can say. You're a good altar boy, man. Yeah, I was a good altar boy. Yeah. I, I, we can talk about that. I, that is, I'm not joking when I say I have my first taste of wine. I went to Father Matarazzo and I said, there's some wine left over. He said, well, that's sacred. You got to pour it carefully down the sink. Carefully in my mouth. I'll pour, I'll pour it carefully down you my know, throat. <laughs> right there, you know. uh, and it was terrible because it was fortified and sweet. That was my first taste. I should have dropped out then. So, um, so, but I kept the job at the Canal House. 
And um, and I'm doing all these things going around being a, trying to be a salesman. I'm saying, these people are going to love me. They're going to want to learn everything that I've learned about going around the world and why they could care less. They could care less. They knew I made a 6% commission. Mm. And they said, well, if you give us 2% of your commission, then we'll buy wines from you. And I said, I'm not doing that. Mm. No, I'll give you education. We don't want an education. Yeah, we want money. It sounds like Pink Floyd. I know. We, we don't, don't need your wine education. Dan, dan, dan. We want 2% of your commission. Dan, dan. <laughs> yeah. We could, we could, I'll get the guitar. I know. And, and we're going to talk about this, this band you're in. Yeah. Well, I've been in many bands. The but, the, but, you know, but the band. The, the Winettes. The, the, the Winettes, man. The fame Winettes. So, anyhow, I went back. Then I'm going to all these different places in New York. I had Re Westchester, Rockland, and Manhattan. 450 accounts that my friend Herb Chute, my sales manager, gave me. And I would go visit them. And then I'd, I'm looking at the address, you know? 38th Street, you know? Wait a second. The building is now, the store is now a laundromat. Or I would go to another, the building was gone. Right. There was no building. <laughs> and I finally went back to Herb and I said, Herb, where'd you get these 450 accounts? He said, it's easy. We've got 45 salesmen. They each gave you 10 of their accounts. Which accounts, you know? Uh, Anybody I'll, that's been in sales, I'll, I'll, no, I'll no curse for you. <laughs> okay, thanks. Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Those fuckers <laughs> offloaded. <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> so things are going downhill quick. I, thank God I kept the job at the canal. <laughs> yeah. uh, and but then one day, this guy who was an importer gives me a name. He says they're opening up a restaurant at the World Trade Center, and go see this woman called Barbara Kafka. You probably don't know who Barbara Kafka is, but if you check it out, she was James Beard's uh, editor. Okay, and mm. she also is the microwave queen. She's the one who got microwaves into into kitchens, and wow. she, she wrote all the original microwave cookbooks, and that's why they're uh, in restaurants, high end restaurants. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, I go down to see Barbara Kafka. I they're on the seventeenth. 18th floor of One World Trades, and they hadn't opened the restaurant. And I walk in, and I see the receptionist, and I say, I I'm, I'm here to see Barbara Kafka. She says, well, who are you? I'm Kevin Zarelli. What do you want? I'd like to sell her wine. She walks back to Barbara Kafka's office, and uh, she comes back and says, Barbara, can't see you today. I said, fine, I'll come back tomorrow. And I went back the next day. Can't see you today. This went on for three weeks. Three weeks. And I understand they were opening up this gigantic restaurant, but I was here to help them. Was that, that, that was my big mistake. So Barbara Kafka finally comes out. I go by the way, the receptionist and I were friends by then. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know, I went on a date with her, you know, brought her tea, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. I think she said, you know, why don't you go see him? Yeah. She walks out. I'm going to swear now, okay, only repeating what she said. She walks out and says, who the fuck are you? <laughs> okay? Why are you here? I'm, I, so I'm here to help you with your wine list. Get in my fucking office now. Okay, I felt like the principal. You know, I'm okay. You know, I, you know, I just turned I just turned 25, and I'm, I'm like New York City. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Uh, and so I walk, and, and I had her in a half hour. <laughs> had her. You what do you what do you know about wine? You ever been to California? Yeah, oh, yeah. Bordeaux. Yeah, uh, you know Tuscany. You know the Rhine Valley, and you know. You know, it was, I had done the 10,000 hours. Yeah. I walked into a situation where they were looking for a young American. Yeah. That's what Joe Baum put on his paper. Get a young American. I don't want any of the... Matter of fact, we're not calling them sommeliers. They're going to be uh, called seller... Only one. Seller master. Mm -hmm. And that's, that was my title. And within days, they offered me the job. They had interviewed 30 people for this job. Top sommeliers, uh, you know, from around French, German, Swiss. Um, there really wasn't too many Americans. Uh, and uh, do you want to talk about luck? Okay, I walk in. I walk in to this restaurant, and um, 
here I am, Kevin's Israeli, nobody from High Falls, New York, working for a wine company called Wines of All Nations, selling, my largest selling wine uh, was um, Richard's Wild Irish Rose. Oh, damn, it wasn't oh, even, oh, my, is this it being was, recorded? It wasn't even Matus Rosé? No, it was damn. Not, <laughs> and I, I had a lot of COD accounts, too, I don't even get into that. And so the next day, I'm sitting with this guy, Joe Baum, who I mentioned, created the restaurant, with James Beard, who was a consultant, with Jacques Pepin, who was a consultant, and all of these people helping them design the menus for the new windows on the world. Okay, I'll take this, and I'm on top of the world. You know, I, I've been doing these sunset things uh, for the last, we'll talk about that, but the pandemic, yep. sunsets, yep. Uh, uh, every day. Every single day since the pandemic, I've been taking sunsets. But can you imagine the sunsets at Windows on the oh. World? 107 stories. Jeez. New Jersey even looked good. Yeah, I know. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, true. It's, right? it's true. It's true. They all know you're from New Jersey. They right? all know I'm from Jersey. Okay, okay. I'm very right. proud of yeah. pork roll and right. the Sopranos and all that shit. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so um, here, here you go. Like, oh, my God. Like, like. Jacques Pepet, like the first celebrity chef guys, like, right. like, this is this is OG shit. This is the real shit right here. So you're 25 years old, um, and this was such an incredible thing that happened. Like uh, in our research, there's something about you. You were in a Playboy ad about being 25 years old, getting this job, right? What's yeah. that? What was that about? Um, we had a good. Well, Joe Baum was the master of everything. Remember, I said restaurant is theater. Yeah. So the lighting was really important. He never called them uniforms, they're costumes. Mm. I mean, I'm talking, this is, this is why this is gonna be a hit show on Broadway. <laughs> I'm banking on this, uh, you know, because you know, anybody who's worked in the restaurant knows what I'm talking about, you know, of the pressure that you're going through. And the, can you imagine the music, you know, going, what kind of music it's gonna be? Uh, so it was uh, uh, artwork. Uh, gold, uh, you know, uh, on the on the on the mirrors and all this. Stuff. The men's room was one of the best men's room you've ever seen in your entire life, and you could get a massage. Okay, they had a masseuse, full time masseuse, who worked in the, well, not in the men's room, but in the back. You had to go through the men's room to get there. I mean, uh, you got to see pictures of this. The ladies' room was good too, but the men's room uh, was unbelievable. And views from all, there's a view, there's a carpet, uh, there's a chair I bought for three thousand dollars, and there's Kevin. Now, uh, it would do something with him. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, he, he's this young kid or whatever. And so I was interviewed by the PR, PR people. And I, I got along with this guy, uh, Dick Rayboy, who was the guy. And he said, I got it. So he does this whole thing. And it's, it's a chronic. Everything we've just talked about, actually. It, it calls it, the headline, very long headline. But remember, it's full page New York Times and three pictures as well. And it says, how do you get to be cellar master at Windows in the World at age 25? You start by not. Not knowing by knowing, excuse me, oh. by knowing how to pronounce Nuit Saint Georges. Do you know where that came from? <laughs> well, that, came that from, guy, yeah, yeah, that guy who said, oh, give, me, "Give me the bin number. Give me a bin number." <laughs> and then it was uh, age eighteen, lost child at Woodstock. Mm. Age nineteen, Canal House, etc. You know, age twenty. It went all the way from nineteen to. It was my my history from nineteen to twenty five, and I figured, well, that's. My ego's definitely satisfied for the rest of my life. I got, it wasn't just the New York Times. It was everywhere. Yeah. Wall Street Journal, Newsweek, and all those things. It was just like my mother was very happy. That's when she realized, oh, you've done good, Kevin. That's yeah. good. Yeah. You know, you, you drink too much, but you've done good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, this concept was, and you said it, and, and I, I think it's true. I think people 
that's one of the gifts is starting in the wine business in New York City is and and working at a store like Acker. You're you, you know it's that same world you were in. Like you get to taste these wines and everything comes through here. You know, um, but what was the con- Americans' conception of wine like when that restaurant opened up? Like you're a kid in a candy store, but like people are so seventy six. Like had the judgment of parent. When was the judgment yeah, of parent? It was actually. In 1976, and it was exactly May of 1970. Stephen okay. Spurrier, unfortunately, is no longer with us, yeah. but he was a very close friend. And, of course, he started L'Academie du Vin in Paris. <laughs> that, that's a story in itself. I was supposed to be with him in May uh, of last year. We, we were mm-hmm. going to get together to celebrate his new uh, book that he just put out. Uh, but, obviously, uh, he passed away. But uh, the Judgment of Paris happened the same month that Windows in the okay. World opened up. Mm-hmm. And it didn't uh, didn't have a tremendous amount of press, by the way. That press came later on, mm-hmm. years later, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I when I got to Windows, I said, Mr. Baum, thank you for the job. What do you want me to do? And he said, Kevin, my son. Now I'm a son, you know. Kevin, my son, I want you to create the biggest and the best wine list that New York has ever seen. And don't worry about how much it costs mm. because of the good state of New Jersey. Uh, Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. They had no idea. So I had befriended a gentleman named Alexis Lachine. And by the way, anybody who's into wine, you better go find a version of Alexis Lachine Wines of France or his Encyclopedia of Wine. You need to know Frank Schoonmacher, uh, you know, uh, Encyclopedia of Wine. I'm, I'm talking about all the uh, mm-hmm. where I learned. Yeah, there yeah. was there was no paperback. <clears throat> Please, yeah, no, I mean, that's, and that, I think that's important. I mean, I think, um, like I saw something today, someone was like, oh, Sasha Lachine, who's his, who's Alexi's son. Right. Um, so if you drink Whispering Angel, right. Okay. Um, you just Google Alexi Lachine, and you'll you'll get why that's a, such a damn tasty rosé. So it is, and I, I, I know I, I've known Sasha since he was a little kid. Yeah. Uh, and um, uh, <laughs> Alexis Lachine, you want to talk about bon vivant? Okay. He had a Russian passport, a French passport, and an American passport. Okay, I think he was married five times. Uh, which one was to Arlene Dahl. You're too, still too young to understand who Arlene Dahl is. Uh, and uh, you know, he actually though was the guy who went into the stores and sold wine. He, he was his his shoes with his shoes on the street. But he also owned Chateau Priory Lachine yep. and Chateau Lascombe. Uh, and he was the first guy, really, you know, salesman and also, um, you know, wine um, entrepreneur, French wines. Mm-hmm. French wines. Mm-hmm. So I said, to, uh, I said, and Joe Baum said to me, "Call Alexis. Go, go to Bordeaux. Buy some wine." <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, I can do that. And it wasn't like my first trip to Luxembourg. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was like first class, land in Paris, go to see Alexis at a chateau. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no uh, yeah. hostel. Get yeah. picked up. <laughs> I'm, I'm a hot, I'm a hot commodity now. And I had all the money in the world. And by the way, back in those days, uh, and that's the story that uh, Tom Rostin did. New York City was. In dire straits. That's why people hated the World Trade Center because we, they took out all of downtown Manhattan mm-hmm. and then they built these trade centers mm-hmm. during a fiscal crisis, mm-hmm. a terrible fiscal crisis. Mm-hmm. But it was also going on in France. So they needed cash. So I'd walk in with Alexis. He knew everybody. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Ça va? Oui. Okay. I'll take five cases of that. Chateau Margot, 1900. Okay. And then we'd go to Lafitte. I'll take the five cases of the 21 Lafitte. And let's go to Aubryon. Uh, 34 is good vintage. We'll do that. You know, you have any 61s around you? We'll do the 61s. I'm no genius. I had the money. Okay. Yeah. I, all, I mean, I'm, I'm going to give myself credit that I was already in Bordeaux. Yeah. I, I knew how, how mm-hmm. Bordeaux wine. I knew Alexis. I met him on my first trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there I am, thanking him for taking care of me on my first trip. 
Uh, and so that's how I built the wine listing. But your question was, what was it like back in 1976? French wine. Okay. Uh, uh, total French wine. And um, um, But what Joe said to me, excuse me, Mr. Baum at the time, said, uh, this is windows on the world. I want all countries represented. I wish I had the wine list in front of me uh, because, you know, we went from uh, Argentina to Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. I found a, uh, found a Cabernet Sauvignon from Yugoslavia that we sold for $3 a bottle. Back, that's in 1976, and Joe would always say, oh, you get, it was 325. <laughs> 3.25, and you can get three of those and get change back from your 10. That was his big thing. <laughs> of course, nobody ever bought the Yugoslavian Cabernet, but, but we had an unbelievable list. Burgundy and Alexis also helped me out. So we had this list, and I want everybody to know, uh, I mean, we probably, I put together 800 wines eventually, mm-hmm. and I think, uh, you know, on September in 2001, we probably had um, 2,000 different wines. But I had a small list. All right, I had a small list, and it was 100 wines. Everything was 100 under $100. And most of it was like the $15 to $25 range in a restaurant. And that was the reason, uh, the one thing we haven't talked about is Windows in the World was the largest dollar volume restaurant in the world on September 11th. Mm-hmm. People don't know this. It was also the number one seller of wines in the world in September 11th. So... I just want to make sure I heard you correctly. Hundred wines and under a hundred dollars. Correct. And fifteen to twenty-five in a restaurant. Yes, um, but they weren't all fifteen to twenty. I had hundred. No, no, I know. Dom Perignon but, was a hundred bucks. Yeah, but I mean, that's like, you know, the a ten-dollar bottle's thirty-five bucks nowadays. Right. I know. I. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I just make. I was yeah. like, I think mm-hmm. I heard that. Right. I just want, that's freaking amazing. Well, that, there's no rhyme and reason, and I'll tell this to anybody right now. Uh, there is no uh, science to a wine list. It depends upon the person who's putting it together. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the and I'm saying, calling out to the sommeliers here right now, and I understand what they're doing, and I understand that, by the way, I'm not a master of wine. I'm not a master sommelier. You know why? It didn't exist. I know. Uh, would I have done it? Sure, I would have done it. And I give people credit for what they've done and the amount of money that they spend and the energy that they uh, you know, worked with all these people to get to that level, even level two, one, two, or three, or whatever it is. Yeah. But it's, uh, and I, I feel bad right now because I just talked to my friend Daniel Jonas, uh, you know, Danielle's mm-hmm. restaurant. He runs all of, you should have him on the show, by the way. Like maybe you already have. Um, no, no, but, you but, know, uh, we scored you, so I think, yeah, we, like, we got a big, yeah, we got a big, we got a big chip. We're like, well, yeah. we Kevin's really, I mean, like, sorry if you're too busy. Yeah. <laughs> so the great restaurant in New York City in the 60s was called Le Pavillon. Okay. And Danielle just opened Le Pavillon again. Uh, it hasn't been around. You, you know, oh, wow. I suggest to everybody that they study the history of restaurants. Uh, you know, going back, I'm talking about going back to Roman times, yeah. uh, the history of restaurants. And, of course, the, a lot of people forget this. The word restaurant means to restore. Yeah. So you had a long day. You know, hey, you want to have good wine and good food. Um, and um, so the, the, the reason we sell wine so cheaply, if you want to do it that way, and, and actually I went in with the re- regular wine estimate, he said, cut the prices. Cut, cut more, Joe Baum, cut more. And so I'd rather sell two bottles of wine than one bottle of wine. Right. Uh, and that was his philosophy, and that's why we sold so much wine. So we, we had, um, we had uh, a great wine list. And by the way, if you wanted to have, spend more than $100, I would go out with the extended wine list. It was, that's what it was called. The mm-hmm. extend, if you want information on the extended wine list, Kevin will come out to your table, which is great because I could go to tables that really wanted to talk wine. Most sure. people don't. Yeah, that's true. Most people to this day, they just don't want to talk wine. You know, um, I mean, that's just amazing, <clears throat> all you've seen. So 
Oh, the best parts, though. Oh. I met everybody in the world. Because even... Oh, yeah. I was not... I mean, this is... Um, so the a general manager of, of the restaurant, Alan Lewis, who's uh, in this picture that I'm showing you here right now, Alan Lewis uh, wouldn't, didn't want to go to anybody's table, any celebrity table. He sent me because I would break the ice with the wine list. I would bring the wine list over, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, to John Lennon or to, uh, you know, Richard Burton or to Cher or, or, you know, to Mick Jagger. I mean, you've seen her, I'm sure. Dolly Parton, she was good. She was good. So I got to meet all these people and, uh, uh, you know, just nice people. We had also private parties. I remember when The Wiz was on Broadway, yep. we had the party for The Wiz. Michael Jackson was in it. Then. Diana Ross. <laughs> Right, Jackson. Yeah. And it was later they 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 got they they did the revival, right. of the, and they got a. You want to talk about craziness? They had the party at Windows in the World, but they had to get them from Forty Second Street down. They put together a subway, their own subway, their own subway, leaving Forty Second Street, getting off you know downtown into the World Trade Center, decorated the whole thing, music, food, and then the yellow brick road <laughs> from the R train right to the entrance of Windows on the World, to the elevator, and I, you know, I was downstairs, and Michael Jackson, Jackson is there, and I could see you know, people were starting to come, and I could, he was with a woman, and he wanted to get out of there as quick as well. Let's go, jump in the elevator. So we jumped in the elevator together. I mean, I could tell you thousands of stories you know, about that, uh, you know, meeting uh, fun people. Uh, Art Garfunkel, uh, you know, you might be too old for that. No, too well, young for that, right? <clears throat> Simon and Garfunkel. So, I mean, Come one on. of my, I'm a musician, so yeah. Art and I became close friends. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. I love uh, that. Thing. Anyhow, but people in the restaurant business have a lot of stories. Yeah, no, I mean, we've had some guests who, and, and particularly at the level you work at, I mean, you're bringing a level of enjoyment to people, and, and, and I think a lot of people, we hear the horror stories, but even a lot of people I waited on when I worked in New York and then in California and Santa Barbara, nicest freaking people, you know, just family. Really, yeah, yeah. And that's the saddest part of September 11th um, uh, um, is family. Um, you know, um, I, I'm not getting involved in any articles. I'm writing my own. Yeah. Uh, because it, and some people call it an anniversary. I said, what? Are you, it's not an anniversary. It's 20 years since the destruction of the World Trade Center. Yeah. And uh, and the hardest thing is you you know I have seventy two people, I didn't know all of them. I'll be honest with you, I probably knew half of them. I worked with half of them. We lost two people in the wine cellar, and the other two people that worked in the wine cellar got married. So you can look at you know the all of that kind of stuff, uh, but this family aspect, you know, missing the people that I worked with uh, closely, um, and the restaurant is family. That's for sure. It's yeah. fun. Uh, and you have arguments with your family members and discussions with your family members, but we get the job done. Let's, um, and since you're talking about your family, let's talk about <clears throat> some of your children that have come through there. I uh, don't remember their names. I'm telling you. Now. No, you I mean, I mean, but I mean, like Michael oh, Skernick. Oh, those uh, children. I mean, yeah, yeah. those children. Uh, Andrea Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, let's talk. I mean, like, I mean, I, I think, uh, which actually, you brought your own glasses, you're professional, but. I have some Andrea's glasses. It's my it's my go to glass in my bag, it, the one wine glass. You know, I was just I was just talking to Andrea. I was going to get my phone to prove it to you, but I guess not to prove. I was talking to Andrea this morning, yeah, uh, by text. Yeah, and she's calling me tomorrow. Let's start with Michael Skernick because uh, you know. So I'm in the wine cellar, and uh, Michael Skernick is uh, people who don't know it. I think he's the best importer of wines in the United States of America, uh, and. Um, he was a waiter at when he just I think he went to Amherst and then he got the job at Windows and um, he was fun. He, I, by the way, 
Joe Baum says to me, I said, how many uh, other people can help me on the floor? He said, none, you're it. <laughs> I said, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Uh, and people should realize that w- w- it's two floors. In the beginning, it was just one floor, the 107th floor, which was an acre in size. Then we moved down to the 106th floor, okay. which is also an acre in size. How am I going to cover all this? So what did I do? Question. I started training the waiters mm. and the busboys. I read that somewhere. Talk about that. You said you don't have a wine program unless you train everybody in the restaurant. Dishwashers. People in the banquet department. People who, 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 who kept the place clean. Why shouldn't they know about wine? It might, might not have been a lot of classes. I gave more classes to the captains mm-hmm. because they're the other ones directly dealing with the customer. But we want, it was a wine restaurant. You want to be a wine restaurant? Everybody knows about wine, not just you. And Michael Skernick took those classes and became fascinated. And he came to me one day and he said... Um, Look, at, I, I want to work in the wine cellar with you. And I said, Michael, you're making $25,000 a year, and I can give you twelve five. and you just had a baby. Go home and talk to your wife, Judy. I'm sure she'll talk you out of it. <laughs> so the next day, he comes in with a big smile. <clears throat> Judy says, it's cool. She likes the whole idea. I'm sure. He, never, he was lying. He never, <laughs> he never talked to Ain't Judy. Ain't no wife telling you to take a never 50% pay cut because you just had a baby. Right. <laughs> You know, uh, but he worked two years in the wine cellar, and it wasn't easy. It's stocking things. You know, the, we, we had three different places uh, down in the basement level was where we had the wine, so we couldn't keep them all upstairs. So you had to replace. You had to replace, and uh, we actually didn't have enough room for the amount of wines that we had. So Michael did a great job, uh, and so then he um, went on to work uh, uh, as a distributor. Then he represented Mamasson uh, Burgundies, and then uh, a matter of fact, I was with him, ready for this. The Wynettes, which I know you're getting to. Yeah, man. Michael Skernick was a fantastic lead guitar player, by the way. And, uh, uh, you know, playing, uh, uh, what is it, CCR? Uh, is it Clarence Clearwater? It, it's Credence. Yeah, Credence, Credence Clearwater. Sorry, it's it. okay. You can't say it three yeah. times. Yeah, I, I know. I can't. Now, yeah. Especially after the two glasses yeah. of this 68 so, yeah. dates. Yeah, guys. Martha's. We're sending a bottle to everyone who's listening. Uh, <laughs> so please send in your report, and we'll send you a bottle of the Heights Martha's Vineyard 68. No problem. The but black we, wine guy makes no representation of the trueness of that statement. <laughs> uh, so, so Nets, which is a band. Uh, I might as well go to it. Yeah, let's, let's talk so, about so, the Wynettes, man. Right, so, I mean, let's let's let's. You like, know, the fun part of it is you. Oops, sorry. I hit my microphone by mistake. <laughs> Don't get in my way again. <laughs> so. Um, uh, Josh Wesson, who wrote the book uh, 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 Red Wine with Fish, White Wines with Meat, with a guy named David Rosengarten, was a friend of mine. We'd go to all the tastings together, and we, one day I learned that he played guitar, so I went to his place. We started playing guitar. Uh, I was in ro- rock and roll bands, just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, one, four, five progressions. That's it. <laughs> That's all I knew. Uh, and uh, we started playing. And why don't we do something with this? And so, oh, you know, Michael plays guitar. And then Joey Delisio from the River Cafe, you know, um, you know, he just retired, by the way, 40 yeah. years at the River yeah. Cafe. And drummer, he's, master, he's got some masters in music. Okay. Wow. Okay. And then uh, another guy named Richard Regner. As a matter of fact, uh, Brian Miller, um, who was then the restaurant critic for the New York Times, joined us. Uh, so this is where we played, right around the block where you are here in, in, in Manhattan to a smelly, terrible place. Uh, you know, beer. Every, you know what I'm talking about, a beer microphone? Your microphone smells very Oh, good. no, man. Yeah, okay. I was a roadie okay. when I was young okay. for this guy. Okay. And, like, one day, I was, like, 18. I, I put my – I sniffed about Oh, don't ever smell a microphone. That's all oh, I say about right. that. Woo! <laughs> you think your breath smells bad under your mask? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. This is really true. Yeah, Any musician knows it. Yeah, it's like like what what they say: four hundred years of funk and, a, and thriller. <laughs> like four hundred years of funk is in a microphone yeah, for well, sure. And then you walk into the studio, <laughs> and it's so smelly of sweat from the last band, you know. And Igor, who hey, give me the money now. <laughs> I'm like, kidding. okay, all right, here's the money. All right, we're going in. So, by the way, then we would go after that and review restaurants for the New York Times. <laughs> I'm not joking. We go to Molly Molly Wee's, is it, on, on 7th or 8th Avenue? 8th Avenue going up. And Molly Wee's is still there. We'd have our beers and then go review restaurants. Go back and look at those reviews. Anyhow, get together. Richard Regner, who was a bass guitar player, he worked in the wine cellar at mm-hmm. Windows on the World. And so we got together. So we formed the band, the Winettes. And we, we, we were actually decent. All right? You could dance to our music. Uh, and people enjoyed it. And we went out. I'm bringing this up because of Michael Skirnick. We went out and played the Monterey Wine Festival. Uh, what? Monterey Wine Festival. Wow. And so they flew us out there. By the way, the end of the story is we quit when people started paying us not to play. Okay. <laughs> I just want you to know. That's when we knew it was over. But we went out there, and Michael says, you know, he's distributing Mama Santre. He's a national uh, uh, distributor for Mama Santre. And he says, you know, I'm going to go see this guy, Randall Graham. Oh, yeah. Bonnie Bonnie, Dune. Because we're down in that yep. area now. Yep. And we go see Randall Graham. And Randall says, you know, I got nobody in New York taking care of me. And that was first Michael Skernick wine. Wow. So it goes back to 1988, 89 or something like that when he started his the, uh, the original Roan Ranger, he's often called, mm-hmm. around, uh, uh, Randall Graham. Um, those were really good wines. Um, I mean, he's sold that brand, but... Um, he's still there. Yeah, but he's got his own... He's yeah. got his, He's got a, an estate where he's doing yeah. all this really, really cool stuff. Um, but Le Segal Volant. Uh, do you know the wine? Oh, yeah. So I, I don't know I, if everybody knows this, but on the back you read Le Segal Volant means flying saucer. Yeah. And it was a decree in the Rhone Valley that you could not land your flying saucer there. Yeah. And so he made sure that they couldn't land it on his. It was on the bottle. Yeah. Just yeah. letting you know. You I couldn't know. land it. If you're, you can't go. I have a 2012 in my cellar, which I'm going to okay. pop pretty soon, man. Um, yeah. No, Le Segal Volant. That's it. I love that. Um, <clears throat> so you, you've. You know, and just like quickly, but like if you talk, and then you got Michael Skernick. So this is like how you're. So you have Michael Skernick, and then David Bowler worked for Michael Skernick, and then uh, uh, Doug Polano worked for Michael Skernick. You know, and like I mean, like you just like you've spawned all these these things. Um, so why did you decide to what what you've been teaching classes for years? What made you actually sit down and speak the book out? What made you write the book? Because I have a similar writing process. I mm-hmm. dictate and then I edit. So we're, what made you do that? What made you write the book? We're on the same page. Get it? <laughs> uh, sorry. Where's that drum? You told me there was... Where is it? <laughs> uh, but I did want to say one, uh, one thing, because uh, I didn't want to forget uh, Andrea Robinson. Yes. Uh, Andrea came to me. She was 21 years old. She, by the way, she worked for Mary Ewing Mulligan at the um, at the wine center, the International Wine Center. And I sort of poached her a little bit. I think uh, she was a little angry. Not angry. We never get angry. We have a bottle of wine. We're fun. We're, we're, yeah. we're good. We're yeah. good. Right. So uh, she was 21 years old. She worked for... The wine school was booming in those days. I mean, I was doing... Uh, you know, 800 people a year or something like that, some crazy number. And so she did all the, all the, all the, all the, what's the word, logistics, getting mm-hmm. everybody, f- checking them in or whatever. Because she was like, went to biz school or something, right? She, uh, she went, uh, hold on a second, um, was it University of Texas? She's from down south, but it was the University of something like that. Okay. Sorry, Andrea, I don't remember. I uh, can't remember everything, and you know, I'm 70 now. Uh, is this wine made with Cabernet, by the way, you think? Uh, I think it is. Uh, yeah, here's something. I'm sorry, I'm tangenting here. You know, in the, when, we, when I started, that bottle of wine only had to be 51% Cabernet. That was the law. 
51% carbonation. That was that low? Because I, I know, like, even now, it's like you could have 60% Napa Valley and call your wine Napa Valley. So I know there's people don't understand that, and right. you have to know what's well, going on. Well, now it has to be 75% of okay. it. But, of course, a great winery is going to, like, Heights is not yeah, going to do that. Um, so, anyhow, Andrea came to me, and she ran the wine classes. And one day she said to me, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do this anymore. I said, well, Andrea, what do you want? I want to be a writer. She was 22 years old. I said, fine, I'm redoing my book. And the only other person in my book is Andrea. Mm. on wine and food. I said, okay, help me write the wine and food chapter. So she's in here. And then um, then um, um, she wanted to do more. Okay, you can work on the floor. And actually, I'm going to say something about Andrea because uh, uh, this is not wine. This is related to the bombing at the World Trade Center in 93. Yeah. I was not there. Yeah. It was lunch time. And uh, she was actually the only manager on duty. And uh, the bombing took place. The smoke is coming upstairs. Uh, and she led she took charge. Mm. Petite, uh, uh, you know, Andrea took charge and got everybody down. Now, you're walking downstairs at the World Trade Center from 107 stories, smoke-filled, no lights, no intercom system. You don't even know if you're walking down into the fire or whatever it was. And she got everybody out. So I, want, I just want everybody to know that she's uh, obviously a great wine person, a great friend, great writer. But, uh, you know. And then, uh, then uh, we, we, we closed Windows in the World mm -hmm. from 93 to 96. And by the way, why? The only uh, elevator system was Windows in the World, that only one that went straight up. Oh, okay. Even, even the uh, observation deck didn't mm -hmm. do that. So we were the chimney for all of that. By the way, six people died. One of them was our uh, one of uh, an employee, and it was right where uh, the commissary was, where Jacques Pepin was in charge of originally, uh, where all the food came in. Mm. It was at the dock. Mm. Uh, so I uh, always recognized that. And then Andrea left uh, after 93, and she had a baby, and da-da-da-da-da. We reopened in 96, and uh, the people, Joe Baum's people, which were the Emile family, said to me, uh, uh, we need somebody to be, you know, uh, the cellar master. I said, oh, I got the right person. So I bring Andrea in to meet them. And again, she's, you know, sweet, petite, all of this kind of stuff, but so knowledgeable. And she sits down with them and she says, well, Andrea, what would you like to do? I want the wine. I want the liquor. I want the beer. I want the tea. I want the coffee. I want anything that's a beverage. I want the sake. Okay. Okay. So then she became uh, the she, in the second time around she then took over the whole program. Wow, interesting wow. woman. She lives out in Napa uh, with her husband John and two kids that are both teenagers right now. Good luck, Andrea. Yeah, we. Uh, I was her sales rep when she worked at Bacar. <clears throat> I worked for Chambers and Chambers. I was a sales rep, so that's when I got to meet her. So, okay. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah, and really nice. She's super supersonic. Um, that's a good word for her. Supersonic. I can yeah. just see it flying mm -hmm. through everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, by the so you're talking about the book, yeah. Okay, so um, you know uh, I'm reading Alexis Lachine, I'm reading Frank Schoonmaker, I'm reading all of these books, but they're encyclopedic in nature. Yeah. And so my students said to me, "Forget it." And these are very well educated people. Forget it. We just want to we want to learn enough about wine that we can go order in a store or order in a restaurant. So I started handing out things, you know. Forget books. We couldn't use it. Well, I actually, I used a book by Alexis Bestbluff. That's another writer people forget about. But he was the New York Magazine uh, wine writer and put out the Signet Book of Wine, uh, uh, which sold 700,000 copies. And mm -hmm. it was just a paperback. Mm -hmm. Too much. Too much. We want too much. We don't want that. Oh, see. Okay, fine. So then I, I, I started hand, handouts. The handouts became volumes. Yep. And I hired this uh, woman, Felicia Sherbert, who uh, her, her husband, Frost, worked for me in the wine cellar. She sat in the back of the classes. 
uh, for a whole year. So that's five different classes. And then she trans she taped everything. She transcribed it. Book. End of statement. And uh, you know, I um, I, uh, I, uh, I <laughs> how do I find a publisher? I mean, how do you find a publisher for anything? You know, well, coincidentally. The owners of Sterling Publishing took the class. <laughs> and so, and the owners, the owners, okay? Uh, Burton Hobson and Lincoln Baum, and they come up to me after the classes are over, hand me their card and say, we'd like you to teach, we'd like you to write a book the way you teach the wine class. He's like, okay, done. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> so that's how the book got published, and, it be, being, and that's why it's now something like, I don't know, 400 pages or whatever it is. But in uh, uh, fact, I get, you know, a lot of people say to me, that your book doesn't say this. Your book doesn't say that. I said, yeah, that's right. It doesn't. It's not an encyclopedia. Yeah. But I recommend other books. Go to Jansen's Robinson. Yeah. Go to you, Johnson. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Uh, so I love that. I don't mind the criticism. I love that. I love that. So <clears throat> you're also uh, working on... Um, Wait, do you have an autobiography, Glass Half Full? Yeah, I wrote that. Already. Okay. It's done. Okay. It's called The Glass Half Full, Seller Master's Journey Through Wine and Life. Um, uh, I don't know how far I should go. Um, you know, I haven't had enough wine yet. Um, <laughs> do you have another bottle or something? I, I actually have a no, bottle. No, no, it's all right. I know we're, we're going to run out of time. I got a bottle. We can bribe Miles. I think that... <laughs> he's drunk. Yeah, Miles is like, yeah, well, you got time. I'm not kicking you out. <laughs> I think that I don't talk about this often, but I'm having a good time. We're having a good, you know, shooting the shit, yeah. even though I don't like that word. Uh, but um, so um, uh, my life, the reason I believe I have so much resilience is because I was uh, I had a great family. I had a great mother, mm -hmm. a great father, sisters. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in an idyllic Pleasantville. Mm -hmm. Get it? Uh, and, uh, you know, well-educated, uh, you know. Um, and so, I bring that up because I'm going to tell you something, which I very rarely talk about. Uh, so September 11th happens. Obviously, that's uh, I can't. Even, I'm still devastated. Totally yeah. devastated. Yeah. I can't. Uh, I don't talk about it much. I, but um, I was going to write that book. And then um, uh, a year and so, a couple of months later, that my daughter, who just graduated USC, I'm prefacing this mm -hmm. from the business school, from the Marshall Business School, mm -hmm. uh, uh, was diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. So she had just turned four. So now I'm spending all this time at Sloan Kettering, mm. okay? Four years of that. But before that's finished, our house burns down. Mm. Finished, done, gone. And uh, uh, so all the kids' stuff, uh, you know, this is, this is the hard part for me is the children. If I'm going to talk about anything about September 11th, it's going to be what happened to the children of the, who lost a family member? Mm -hmm. What happened to the um, the people like me that didn't die, I wasn't there, but my children, uh, you know, um, what, what kind of trauma do they have still to this day? Mm -hmm. Especially with those three events all within like three years. Mm. Uh, so that's why the glass half full, and I, I wrote it, and I just sits there, and uh, I, maybe someday I'll publish it. Uh, but uh, you gotta get through things, you know? Um, and uh, that's all I can say, <laughs> you know, yeah. resilience, you know, is uh, uh, I'm lucky to have a very supporting family. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, we the show, one of the things we wanted, we want to know from people and thank you for sharing that so much, by the way, is um, life is hard. You know, um, you had a trifecta. That's just crazy that that happened. Boom, boom, well, boom. Well, there's more, but I'm not doing it. Today. Uh, <laughs> that's for the next yeah, show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, why? I'll ask you a question. Um, 
why was it so important for you to continue the wine classes after uh, September 11th? Therapy. Total therapy. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was um, uh, my family, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my family. Michael LaMonaco, by the way, was the chef at Windows in the World. Uh, we, I tried to hire him from the 21 Club before the bombing. Uh, and we got him uh, when we, uh, the second year after we reopened in 1997, he brought that place back. He's a very close friend of mine. His picture is in here. Uh, still, to this day, owns porterhouse restaurants in New York and now is moving one over to Hudson uh, Yards. It's called Hudson Yards, is that right? Mm-hmm. Anyhow, he, was, he, he actually took the wine class in the summer of 2001. Uh, uh, and, uh, he, you know, um, anyhow, he said, you got go, you got to continue the class. But the therapist, my therapist gave me the best advice said, if you don't continue teaching, this is, this is his words, you're going to die too. You got to follow your passion. You got to get right back on the wagon or the horse or whatever it is, uh, you know, and uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm in front of people. I'm on stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about small classes. I'm sorry you never got a chance to see my classes. The last class that I ever taught was 200 people at the Marriott Marquis. Mm. In general, my classes were 125 to 150 people. So uh, there was, I mean, I, by the way, the biggest thing after the third glass of wine was not teaching, was crowd control. Right, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's where the elementary education came in. Yeah. All right, everybody, look at me. I have eyes in the back of my head. I can see what you're doing. You're talking right now. I didn't, you can't be talking because I'm talking. How can you talk when I'm talking? So to get through the 10 wines was sometimes difficult after the third glass, but uh, it worked. That's all I can say. And I want to bring that up because I, I, I don't know how much time you're going to leave me here. You know, probably, you know, you don't want to get rid of me by now. No. Send him off. Get rid of this kid. We're, we're going to have to, uh, next yeah. time you come on, we're going to book three hours, man. We're going to go. We're going to do a Joe Rogan style. We're just going to just go. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm sitting in March of, uh, I had just gotten back from Napa Valley. Okay. Uh, um, uh, uh, I was actually with Karen McNeil. I have a picture of it in the book, and uh, John and Dorothy from the Wall Street Journal. We were with uh, Warren Winarski, mm-hmm. who the Stag's Leap Winery yep. won the award at the Paris tasting. Mm-hmm. We were just at a dinner honoring um, uh, them. And so I came back March, what, 12th or whatever, 13th, mm-hmm. and we, we shut down. I'm saying, well, geez, okay, I do live classes. That's not going to work. But I had this book to do. So, I, you know. The the 16-page insert turned out to be 50 pages. March, April, May, and June, I handed it in just, um, what am I going to do? But then I get a phone call from one of my corporate clients, which is, by the way, thank you, God, uh, for corporate clients who want to teach their their clients about wine or Mm -hmm. do something in a wine and food, everything Mm -hmm. about wine and food. And he said, can you do it? I said, I can't. I can't leave. I'm not. We got to shut down. Zoom. What? What's Zoom? And I'm not joking with you. I didn't know what Zoom no, was. No, people, I knew about, I've been using Zoom since 2010. People okay. like did not know about right. Zoom until the pandemic. Right. It was like, I know Skype. I did a Skype uh, once. Skype I did. Yeah. yeah. But Zoom, do it on Zoom. I'll get everybody together mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they'll be in their homes and we'll put it together. I said, okay. So that's got me started. And then since uh, the pandemic began, I've done 25 corporate lectures. But I started to say to myself, why can't I do the, why can't I do the wine course? Yeah. And I just want you to know that I was a good kid, My, no doubt about it, being a good altar boy. So in the last eight months, I've had 3,600 students take my Zoom wine class, uh, uh, and they send me money. It's called a GoFundMe Kevin account. Oh, wow. They send me money, and, uh, 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 and I've partnered with Wine.com. At a, a fluke. I, I can't even go into how that all happened. I didn't know Mike Osborne at the time. And so Wine.com 
in 2019 did $150 million worth of business. In 2020, $325 million. So we work together, Mike and I, and we choose the wines, and they all, they have four bottles, and they go to wine.com and buy them. It's good for him, it's good for me. Yep. Yep. Uh, and so I even did an advanced class. I did red blends uh, uh, just uh, last month. So now, tomorrow, I'm working with Mike, and we're planning out the fall. And it's not going to stop because it was actually – I was in 40 states, right. including Canada. So it's international. Right. You know? right. Sure. Can it, <laughs> Canada is part of the country or not? I keep forgetting. It's part of the continent. Oh, continent. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm a continental wine school. Uh, no, it's a different country, so it makes you an international. I'm international. Thank God. I finally got there. You're there. Well, that's a point that I say to my kids, by the way. Uh, and I'll say this to anybody, especially if you, at the early age. Are you gonna, do you want to be local, national, or international? Yeah. That's your first choice. Yeah. You know, and I want it to be international. Yeah. That's where the wine comes. Now I want to be local. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want to leave DuPaul's. I came down just for you. Man. You know? Well, we, we really do appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I was like... Karen was like, I was like, yeah, we we only we've only done one remote, and that was with Paul Wasserman because he was in Burgundy and right. he didn't know he's coming. Uh, and I was like, I was like, it's okay, I we'll wait, right. you know, we'll we, you know when, when he, if he comes next year, it's fine, we're not going anywhere. But like, I'm so glad that you made it here today. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, we gotta go. Shit, we gotta go. I hope you'll come back. I consider you a friend of the show. Like this is this has been like. This is like this could be the most fun too. Like for 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 who you are, um, and you are who you are. But like if someone doesn't know, like Kevin's really, he wrote this book on wines, went of the world, so much fun. You were holding back. He was holding back. He could have he could have ate me up, man. He's, he's he could have he could have tore me up. <laughs> I was gonna box with you. I know, yeah, I know. He's seen. I do kettlebells, man. Kettlebell. Uh, I mean, I do. I used to teach uh, kickboxing. I used to teach hop keto. Um, but the kettlebell, that, that's, 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 that's a strong man's, uh, that's all I'm saying. I might, I'm wiry, man, but. Next know. time, next time we'll talk about my boxing career with Floyd Patterson. And if you don't know who Floyd Patterson is, ladies and gentlemen, check him out. Yeah. World, youngest world champion until. And, and he was from Jersey though. So, you know. Yeah, but he, he ended up in New Pulse. <laughs> True story. I believe yeah. it. Because, I mean, I don't know why, how I ended up back in Jersey, but I understand why he lives in New Pulse. Um. Holy shit. I just had to say it. Oh, my God. Kevin's really, thank you so much for coming here and sharing some stories with us and just really just uh, everything you've done. Like I said, you are ground zero for all the Psalms out there. You are ground zero. Like, and, and, that's, and, I, and, I, and, and it's ironic because that's where you worked. But like literally in this world of wine education and, and service and hospitality, you're the guy in America. You're the guy. Um, before we go. I just want to ask one more question. Oh yeah, it's always the final question. It is. It is. Puts me on the spot. What? What's the <laughs> bottle of wine that really you're like? I know I'm doing wine. What was the bottle of wine that just? Well, I'm I'm, I'm very very lucky on that um, uh, because of again, you write a book. You, you're at the restaurant that sells more wine than any restaurant, um, um, and that's a really hard question. But I have had every vintage of Chateau Latour from 1900. Mm all the way through, including wines from the 1800s. Mm. Uh, so uh, I've just, I'm going to say Chateau Latour. Of course, nobody can afford it now. So there's Le Four de Latour. Nobody can afford, afford that. it now. Yeah, exactly. Then they got Poyac. Nobody can afford that now. So uh, um, I, I just thank you uh, for having me uh, that I hope to people that are listening 
that the passion is not gone. It's only gone further. Uh, and uh, I am going to write one more book, just so you Yeah, know. I was going to ask you, what, what are you excited about? Well, well, I'm going to write a book. Okay. okay. This may be a good way to end. Okay. And I'm going to write a book, The 100 Best Wines in the World. Okay. Whatever. Chateau Latour, Mondavi, mm-hmm. Heights, you know, whatever it is. And I'm going to put descriptors in. You know, this wine tastes like this. And I'm going to put the book out. But I'm never going to taste the wine. Mm. I'm just going to fake it with words. We never got to word wine vocabulary, you know? Grassy, citrus. No, no, listen, you're coming back. Licorice. You might come back and end season three. Exactly. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, could, mean. I could fake that. You know, I'm, I'm just letting it up. I'll be dead, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes out, so you can't yeah. get back to me. Well, I mean, I'll publish I mean, it then. like, I think there's a scene in the Psalm movies where the professor from Davis, she's like, the wine business, if there ever was a business with more bullshit in it. I mean, like, I tell people, like, not that you bullshit, but if you say it with conviction. Right. If you say, people are like, yeah, you're right. It does smell like my grandmother's big blueberry muffins. And, and they're not even thinking like, I never smelled your grandmother's, but he never smelled it. They're like, you're right. He said it with conviction. He's Kevin's really. It has to be true. <laughs> Just say the wine is very interesting. Yeah, I tell it. That's very what I tell people. Interesting. Th- that's what I say when I, when, when, you know, if I don't like it, I don't, I try not to diss a wine. I'm like, it's interesting. Because yeah. it is. <laughs> and you talk, you have the same philosophy. See, we yeah. could go forever. It's not what... At the end of the day, your class are known for it. It's what do you like, right? Like, you can give all the scriptures, but what do you like? It's in there. So, Oh, actually, to let you know this, I've never rated a wine in my life, entire life, with a numerical score. I worked with Robert Parker. I would work with the Wine Spectator. But I never put a number to a wine. And I also never used British poetry <laughs> to, to describe wine, ever. It's you like it or you don't. That is the philosophy. And the other thing, I know we could go on and on. No one tastes anything alike. Uh, listen to Mark Twain. Uh, you know, in, 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 you said Ernest Hemingway. I would probably go to Mark Twain next uh, uh, as writers. There's no, there's no, um, there's no um, answers when it comes to taste. Yep. So whether it's cigars or poetry yep. or wine yep. or yep. whatever, yep. there is no. That's why you, bullshit does exist in our business, because it's your opinion, which is fine. You yep. you have a right to your own opinion, uh, and I have my opinion. And maybe we'll have a glass of wine together. Maybe we won't. <laughs> Maybe I don't like you anymore. Exactly. But you finished the wine. I want to let everybody know we're getting off stage here right now, but that heights Martha's Vineyard, 1968. Held up. And, loud, and look at the sediment. Though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, I eat the sediment, by the way, so don't throw it out. No, I, I got it. I'll save it for you. Yeah. So, um, Kevin's really, thank you so much. Tell people where they can find you and how they can be a part of what you're doing. Kevin'sRaley.com. It's pretty simple. Uh, and um, those uh, classes uh, we're doing uh, advanced. And master, we're doing a master class. We're working on that tomorrow. But the uh, other, you can just take one class or the six-week class. It's one of the six-week classes, and um, it's not actually that expensive when you look at it. You send fifty bucks for me to pay for my children's tuition, and then you pay. Basically, it's uh, less than a hundred dollars for wine.com. So you got a hundred and fifty dollars purchase. You get six people together. It's nothing. They sit in. They sit in their living room. I have. I have people of ten that watching. I have people have dinner with it. I give food suggestions. <laughs> you know, try it with this. Anyhow, that's where you. Yeah. So stop buying those janky internet wine tasting courses, and you can have your friends over, and you can sit down with the guy who started it all. Kevin's really. Thank you so much for being here, um, everybody. Until the next time. Cheers to the Mavericks, the philosophers, the deep thinkers, and all you wine drinkers. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you learned something. You had some fun while you were here. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. 
And if you want to be an insider and get special content, make sure you go over to blackwineguy.com and get on our email list.